0: But this morning, we're going to continue in our series, and we're up to part eight of Jesus Revealed. And um, obviously, I've said this every week that um, I've shared, but it it sort of stems from the passage in Matthew 16, where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And um, we believe that there's a, a deeper revelation of who Jesus really is that we can access As we explore the scriptures yet again, right? The gospels that talk about Jesus. And this year, we're looking at the the gospel of John. um, And ultimately, we believe there's a greater measure of abundant life for us to access. Those in our spheres of influence are longing for us to reveal the authentic Jesus. It's you and me that's going to reveal Jesus. In the lives of, of the, our friends, in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of those at the marketplace, right? It's you and me. And we get that privilege and that honor to partner with Jesus in that way. And that's significant. And so we don't want to just share what somebody else says about who Jesus is. We want to share who's the Jesus I know. Who's the Jesus I've experienced, I've encountered then I can release with confidence and authority into another person's life. And so we're pressing for that. We're exploring that. We've looked at John chapter 1 all the way through John 5, verse 18. And that's um, we, we've identified 55 revelation statements so far about who Jesus is. And today we're going to finish John chapter 5. And this is a tricky passage, what we're going to look at. Um, the I'll, I'll start it, and I'll tell you why it's tricky. But verse 19, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John 5, 19. And it says, So Jesus said to them, and really the question is, who's the them? Who, who's he talking to specifically here? And you have to sort of go back up to 18, right? So I cut it off there at 18. Um, but the reality is, it says that the Jews who were seeking to kill him, they were seeking to kill him because he was equating himself with God. That's where we ended last week. And the reality is that Jesus goes on to talk to these Jews um, that either want to persecute him or want to see him dead. And it'll make sense as we go through it. So It says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Let's pause there for a second. He says, The Son can do nothing of his own accord. Isn't that interesting? Jesus had free will just like you and me. He was born a man. He, 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 he was God incarnate, yes, right? But the reality is he was born a man just like you and me, partnering with the Holy Spirit to navigate through life. And yet this says the Son could do nothing of his own accord. There was such a connection in the relationship between the Father and the Son that Jesus is continually looking at the Father. What are you doing? What are you speaking? How are you moving? He says he only only what he sees the Father doing. And that's why we can make the claim that you can look at Jesus to see what's on the Father's heart. What does he really care about? Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. That's significant. If we want to know the Father, look at the Son. Look at Jesus. What does Jesus model in the Gospels? Who does he reach out to? What are the things he cares about? Right? Again, the kingdom's about relationship. And I think it's interesting. It says, greater works than these will he show the Son. So greater works than these will the Father show the Son. Why is he going to show him? Because Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing. So the Father reveals these great works. Why? The next part of the verse, it says, so that you can marvel. Isn't that interesting? So that you can marvel at the magnitude of who God really is. He wants to catch our attention. Right? It goes on in verse 21, and it says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So the son gives life. One of the responsibilities the father entrusts to the son is he's the one who gives life. And the son also is in that place of judgment. It says the father doesn't judge. The son has that place of judgment. The good news in this passage is if you believe and you have eternal life, you don't come under judgment. Did you catch that? Right? You get life or you get judgment. There's something significant about what's being expressed in this passage with John. If you honor the Son, you honor the Father. But if you don't honor the Son, you dishonor the Father as well. That's significant. Believing in the Son is the key to eternal life, right? That's a bold claim. 25 says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So it says, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. When I read that, I think, who's he talking about right there? Is it physically dead people, or is it spiritually dead people? It's a little bit hard to know for sure from the, from the text, right? The reality is we know the wages of sin is death, and all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? All have engaged in some aspect of sin. Every single human being, whether you believe it or not. And so all of us deserve death. That's the reality. And there's a part of anybody who's engaging in sinful practice. Part of you is already dead or dying, if that makes sense. Um, It goes on and he says it was not, it's not too late, right? Ultimately for those who had already passed away before Jesus came. Because it says they're going to come out of the tombs, right? All who are in the tombs will hear his voice. How is that possible? Do we need to understand it fully? I don't think so. You can go on the quest and try to figure it out, right? But there's a lot of mystery in Scripture. But the reality, it says that everybody who came before Jesus, it's not too late. There's going to come a time where they're going to come out of the tombs, they're going to hear his voice, and they're either going to choose get life or they're going to get judgment, right, based on their lives, after Jesus came, we, already, we make a choice right here and now. We're not waiting to die and then we're going to come back out. In that sense, you, you're making a choice right now because eternal life is for you right now if you say yes to Jesus. If you believe and receive, you get it right now. You don't come under judgment at a later point in time. If you like mystery, let me tell you this, because this also deals with people um, raising from the dead. And it's a very interesting passage. I've never heard anybody preach on it. I think a lot of people wish it wasn't even in the Bible. Because it seems really concerning and confusing. And yet you would think it would be this amazing thing that happened after Jesus rose from the dead. Or when, no, before. um, when um, When he died. This is Matthew 27, verse 51 to 53. It says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks were split, the tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. What happened to those people? How come nobody wrote about them? Nobody else mentioned them. It's only in Matthew's text. Isn't that curious? It's a little bit of mystery. Right? Are you okay with mystery? Yeah. Or do you feel like you, I need to know it all. I need to understand it all. It's okay to press for understanding. Sometimes it's okay to let the mystery sit. I'm just, so I'm curious about that. Like, where did those people go? Right? We don't get the answer. All that being said is that Jesus is also Lord over life and over death, right? In that sense. And so this passage is curious because the, the John is revealing the truth about who Jesus is in his two roles, that he is one who um, is going to be the, the one who gives life, and he's also the one who, who judges. And that's really significant. Verse 30, it goes on, it says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of him who sent me. So again, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own, only what he hears the Father saying. What's the Father declaring? And then Jesus shares that. He says, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father. Right? He's not pursuing his own agenda. He's pursuing the Father's agenda. He's ultimately revealing the Father's will here on earth. What's on the father's heart verse 31. It says if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true There is another who bears witness about me and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true You sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved He was burning in a shining lamp, was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. This is John the Baptist, right? For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. So what's he talking about? It's this whole concept of having witnesses. If you go back into Deuteronomy um, chapter 19, verse 15, it says that a single witness shall not suffice against the person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. There's a principle, right? If there's just one witness, it, it invalidates it, it's not valid. So if Jesus alone bore witness to himself, if he arrived on the scene and says, I'm here, I'm the one, it's not validated. But John the Baptist bared witness about Jesus. So that's one witness. The works that the Father has given me to do that I am doing bears witness that the Father has sent me. That's a second witness. And then the third witness, it says, the Father himself bears witness about Jesus. So John the Baptist, the works that he's doing, and the Father. Verse 37 says, His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. He's talking about the Father. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you did not believe the one whom he has sent. How do we know he's not talking to his disciples? Because they have believed in the one he sent. Does that make sense? He's talking to those who are persecuting him, those who don't believe. And this is what he's describing. He's referring to the Father. His voice you've never heard. Now think about who he's talking to. The religious leaders of the Jewish faith. How hard would it be to hear that? You've never heard his voice. His form you've never seen. You do not have his word abiding in you. Didn't they know the scriptures? Many of them had scriptures memorized. Is there a difference between knowing the word and having it abiding inside of you? For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Ultimately, he's saying, if you truly knew the word or the scriptures, you would believe in me. Verse 39 says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Remember, where does life come from? Through Jesus. It says, you search the scriptures, saying, I have life in the scriptures. Right? And yet the reality is the scriptures bear witness about Jesus, but they missed it. They couldn't grasp it. They didn't believe it. Ultimately, this is the fourth witness, the scriptures. He says, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Verse 41, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. So Jesus, he comes in the Father's name, but they didn't receive him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't understand it. They thought it was going to happen a different way. They thought it was going to look different. In part, because of what we've already looked at in the Gospel of John, Jesus wasn't following all the rules that they knew from Scripture, right? Or from what they had had gleaned from how the Sabbath was supposed to look. If he truly was from the Father, why would he be healing on the Sabbath? Doesn't he know that's wrong? He should do it on another day of the week. But Jesus was pushing the envelope. He was basically saying, you think you understand how the kingdom of God works, but you don't fully understand. Because you don't fully understand the heart of the Father. The will of the Father. I'm here to reveal that to you. And so he's stirring it up. Um, he says, you'll receive glory from one another. Right? And if somebody came in their own name, you'd, you'd recognize them. But you don't recognize me. You don't seek the glory that comes from the only God. Something's off in their pursuit, their connection with God. It goes on in um, the end of 45, and it says, there is one who accuses you, right? It starts, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. Jesus says, I'm not going to accuse you to the Father. I don't need to. But there's one who does. It says, there is one who accuses you. It's Moses, on whom you've set your hope. All your hope has been in Moses, the Mosaic um, the, uh, uh, text, right? For if you believe Moses, verse 46, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe in his writings, how would you believe my words? And ultimately he's saying, you know, you have put all your hope in Moses, but Moses stands there and he actually accuses you because you don't believe his word. If you really believe Moses, you would believe me and what I'm releasing to you right now. But if you don't believe in his writings, you're never going to believe in me. How would that be to stand there as one of the Jewish leaders? Right? Who knew the Mosaic text inside and out? Deuteronomy 18, um, verse 15 to 18, um, it says, The Lord will raise up a prophet like me from among you. Listen to him. I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. This is one of the texts that they go back from looking at the scriptures and they say, He's declaring about the the Christ that's going to come. You can debate it. Another would be Numbers chapter 21 where the israelites are grumbling against god right and ultimately there's this breakout of these these um, serpents that start biting people and the solution which seems a little silly was to create this this bronze serpent hold it up on a pole and if you were if you were willing to look or had faith to look up at the serpent that was on the pole then you would be healed does that remind you of anything Right? Jesus up on the cross. It took faith. Those who kept looking down at the ground at the serpents or were worried about the serpents, they were getting bit and dying. Those who looked up at the bronze thing that was being held up, they lived. It took faith. It's the same with Jesus. To believe in the truth of the the cross and believe the truth of the sacrifice that he paid for takes faith. There's no other way around it. Um, yeah. So who's the Jesus revealed in this portion of John chapter 5? Right. I pulled out five things. Um, Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing. And we've mentioned that in the past few weeks. Um, but ultimately, this is one of the texts where it sort of exemplifies it. And so, Jesus is a lens into the heart of the Father. Again, if you want to know more about the Father's heart, look at Jesus. Second one, Jesus is the one who gives life. Period. There is no other. You may not agree with that, but you'll argue with the gospel. (laughs) Right? Because that's being stated very clearly. He is the only one. If you want life, you have to go through Jesus. Jesus is also the one who sits in the place of judgment over all mankind. Right? You're either going to choose life or you're going to choose judgment. Nobody can make that choice for you, but you have free will. Every single human being on the planet Earth has free will. And they will either choose life Or they will choose judgment, knowingly or unknowingly, right? That sense. Um, Jesus only seeks to do the Father's will. And so, again, that's a different slant on it than just looking at the Father's heart. But what's His will? You ever ask that question? God, what's your will? You hear people pray that, Lord, we just want your will in this situation. What's the Father's will? The the author, John, is giving us a glimpse that we can look at Jesus to understand a little bit more about what the Father's will actually is. And so, if you want to explore that more on your own, I would encourage you to do so. And the last one for today is that Jesus reveals the glory that comes from the only God. He reveals it. The glory that comes from the only God. And so like we've done every week is is we've asked these questions. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you just know about these truths, right? Because you can read it in the text. Or do you know Jesus as these truths? And again, it's not about your neighbor. It's you, between you and the Lord, between you and him. Do you know him? And are there aspects of these um, regarding these truths that about jesus that you want to press in and no more like you're like i don't know if i believe that do you know that's okay to say it's actually welcome because the reality is if there's a if there's something that's being expressed and you're like i don't think i agree with that then at least you're being honest before the lord rather than just saying oh that's what we do we just believe it's about relationship. The kingdom is about relationship. So you're supposed to share your heart. You're supposed to share what's hard, what doesn't make sense, what's tricky, what's difficult. God can handle that. He's not afraid of that. Right? Um, can you share these truths with integrity to those in your spheres of influence? Right? Can you share that Jesus is the only one who gives life with integrity, where you, you know it, you're convinced there's not another way? Or is that tricky for you? Right? Um, if you can't share them with integrity, why not? Again, that's just a straightforward question. It's not a condemning statement. It's just a question. What, what about it? is blocking you from knowing the fullness of Jesus that's revealed in these verses. And that's what God's exploring right now with us. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to take you on a journey into a deeper encounter into understanding the fullness of Jesus? Right. If if you look at the messages that we've been bringing for this year, it's very straightforward. You actually don't need me up here. You can have your Bible, and you could read through the text of John, verse by verse, and you can say, what do I think about that? What do I truly believe about this? What is it revealing to me about who Jesus is? All we're doing, the, the, our leadership team, we're just highlighting it. We're saying, consider again the gospel of John. The lens that John's bringing, the picture that he's painting from his encounters with walking with Jesus, right? John was one of the apostles who was alive and present with Jesus. He walked with him. He ate with him. He went on journeys with him. He saw the miraculous through the hands of Jesus. He actually performed the miraculous, right? So we're, we're looking at it from his take. And the reality is every single person who's listening, whether you're here in person or on the podcast, You're, you're being challenged with a text again, afresh. And you're, you're being asked, what do I really believe? Right? Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you again that, um, that you're a God who speaks. And that, um, your word brings life. And that your desire is that every single person who hears the sound of my voice would experience a greater measure of abundant life. You're you're not a stingy God. You're not, um, you, you you don't play games with us. Your desire is to pour out life, fullness of life into our lives. And I just pray for your grace on that this week, Lord that if there's any aspect of this um, portion of of the Scripture that's tricky or difficult, that we would just bring our questions to you. We would bring our our musings or our wonderings to you. And we would would engage you in it. And we would allow you to reveal your light. And what's the truth about who Jesus really is, right? Who you really are. We just want to know you more. And then I pray, Jesus, that you would um, give us opportunities this week in our spheres of influence um, to reveal you to others with your love, with your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, with your power, with the substances of heaven like joy and peace and hope. We just pray that there would be many opportunities for each person to engage other people in the community, right? family members, neighbors, friends, with the love of Jesus, and that it would be authentic. It would be real because of our experiences with you. And as a result, it would be transforming. Yeah. Thanks, Jesus. Anything else, Lord? Yeah, we just come against any um, fear, anybody who's experiencing um, fear in the midst of this particular passage regarding life and judgment. We just break off uh, the spirit of fear. We don't give the spirit of fear a, a voice at the table. We say, no, you're not welcome. We would only hear from the voice of the Lord. And I thank you that for those who have said yes to Jesus and have believed in him, that you have eternal life. It's not negotiable. (laughs) It's yours, right? It's done. It's finished. And so I just pray for um, just grace on that truth as well, that the enemy um, couldn't come and harass us, right? And we just ask for your grace in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And just thanks for what you're doing and how you're moving. And we ask that you would seal this word in Jesus' precious name. Amen.